And let's start with 1 John chapter number 1. 1 John chapter number 1, verse number 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled, of the word of life. For the life was manifest, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, that was manifested unto us, that which... We have seen and heard, declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of Him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Let's look to the Lord prayer. Dear Jesus Thank you for another day. Thank you for your blessings. There are so many. And Lord, I pray as we come this morning that our heart would be in tuned. I know we live busy lives. And sometimes it's very difficult to just to calm our minds and hearts. But Lord, I pray you do that right now. That we'll focus upon your word. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to serve you. It's a privilege. Pray these things in your holy and precious name. Amen. Lots of great truths in this passage. And, uh, 1 John 1 3 is our, uh, theme verse for this year. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son Jesus Christ. And we're gonna kinda add on verse number seven this morning as we kinda launch the theme here this morning. And there's lots of great things in this passage. Uh, we live in a time like none other. In an age of upheaval in so many ways, the moral fabric of our culture, of our nation, is shredded compared to 40 years ago. It's so different. There is economic distress. You know, I remember as a kid growing up, uh, hearing folks say, oh, I got this job, I'm, I'm good, I'm gonna good, I'm gonna retire from this job. I got a pension. There's not that many people saying that anymore, is it? Job security is pretty hard to find. There's a constant threats of war among nations and civil unrest and civil war. Nothing really seems to be too safe or secure. The family is under attack like never before. Today, our our, fam, our faith is being assaulted. And I'm not trying to be a negative kind of fellow. I'm not a negative type of guy. If I let my mind dwell there in a negative thought pattern too long, I'll get depressed. So do I have good news for you this morning? That's the question. Do I have good news for you this morning? I'm thrilled to tell you, i got some great news for you. This morning, uh, though the culture and world systems and religious orders and political parties or whatever may oppose the truth, the gospel, I've got great news. Though parents and spouses and children and siblings and co-workers have problems and oppose each other, I've got great news. Though we face struggles, both physically, emotionally, spiritually, battles that are hard, i got wonderful news. And the news is Jesus. Jesus. He represents deliverance 
from bondage. He is the definition of hope. I like to get in a dictionary and change that one term of hope. Hope, Jesus. That's, that's Jesus. He's hope. And today, Miss Saginaw National Baptist Church, Jesus is the unity of our fellowship. Jesus is. I prayed long and hard about the theme for our church this year, and I believe 2018 to be a pivotal year for our church. And we need to understand that Jesus is the unity, the factor of our fellowship. I want our church to glorify the Lord in 2018 more than ever before. And the reason I think this year is pivotal is that our church went through a lot of changes in 2017. When we started 2017, we did not know the changes that would occur. The Lord led our pastor, Pastor Brian Thiessen, the founding pastor of our church, and who was here for 20 years, which is very significant, folks, into missions. That's a big change. Then you voted in September positively to have me as your pastor. Huge change for me. Big change for you, too. And I'm honored. I love it. It's hard work, but I enjoy it. And every day brings new challenges, which I bring to Jesus. Amen. I can't do it all by myself. I need the Lord. But transitions can be tough. Let's just be really honest about it. They can be tough on leadership for those in the church. Transitional time can be uncertain. What's going to happen? It's going to be the same. And often our adversary attacks during those times. Sometimes if we're not careful, we can be a source of discouragement in transitional times. And we need to make sure we're not. Sometimes people get discouraged in transitional times because people do leave and things happen. Or they get distracted. Maybe lost a little bit of focus. And today I stand before you as your pastor and I have the responsibility and duty to lead the church the right way. Staying true to the truth contained within the Word of God. That's part of my mandate. And I believe that as a leader I need to show love and compassion for those who are suffering and hurting. And I need to show strength and leadership and stand against error. Protect the church. All part of my mandate. And this morning, I have to be a conduit of unity as well, in a sense, I want to promote unity. But this morning, I am not the source of unity. I never any morning I am, because Jesus Christ brings unity. Jesus Christ brings unity. He's the author and finisher of our faith. It's Him. And this morning, I want to kind of fly over biblical concept of unity and look at some numbers, important truths. And uh, this will act as a jumping off point for us in the weeks and months ahead if the Lord will give it to us. I'm okay if the Lord returns right now. I hope you are too. Uh, I'm ready. I want to, I, I mean, I shouldn't say I'm ready. I want to. There's still lots of things to do. But if the Lord will give us more time, I'm excited about what the Lord will do with us. If he allows us. And I want to examine some things during our worship service this year about the unity of our fellowship. So before we dive in, it's always good to get to understand what the word means that we're talking about, right? Uh, I mean, well, I could use vocabulary from Newfoundland that you'd be having a totally different um, thought pattern about. You have a different definition. So we need to have the right definition to understand where we're going. So the word unity... It's only found three times in the Scripture. It means a unit. Together. Oneness. That sounds good, doesn't it? 
I want that for our church. That we're a unit. That we're together. And that we have oneness of mind to serve Jesus Christ. That's my desire. Now, like he said, it's only found three times in the Scripture, the word unity. But if you look through God's Word, you'll see that it's the Lord's desire for us to bring honor and glory to Him. And unity definitely brings that. So the next word is fellowship. Now, as Baptists, we know what that means, right? Food. That's the first thing that comes to our mind as Baptists. Fellowship. Food. I'm guilty as charged. That's what I think sometimes as well. But that's not the definition that I'm looking at here this morning. The definition of fellowship means a partnership, communion, social interaction, to communicate. The unity of our fellowship is Jesus Christ. I believe that we could do so much more for the Lord if we have the unity that He provides. That He provides. The unity of our fellowship begins with Jesus. Jesus, number one, Jesus is the source of our unity. Jesus is the source of our unity. I already read verse 3, the uh, second time we'll read uh, verse 7 the second time. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. For the blood of, uh, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sins. John lays it out here plain and simple. I like plain and simple. He lays it right out here. Without Jesus, we are hopelessly lost in our trespasses and our sins. We're lost. Without Jesus, we have no hope of unity or hope of eternity. Our relationship and our fellowship rests in the fact that Jesus Christ has cleansed us from all sin and He and He alone is Savior. He alone. Acts 26.18 To open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them that which are sanctified by faith that is in Me. It's only through Jesus that we have fellowship with Him. It's only through Him. We can't go any other way. It's only Jesus. And you understand there's a host of churches and organizations and all kinds of different words who are trying to teach that you get to Jesus anyway. There's all kinds of way. No, there's only one way. There's only one way. Now, it's not like going to the grocery store where you can get there a couple different ways. No, there's only one way to heaven. That's through Jesus. There's only one. And there only ever will be one. You know, I look around at our assembled congregation here this morning. I know some folks aren't here, but I was thinking about it this week. We have people for so many uh, different backgrounds and places. And that's one reason why we have this banner the way it is. To represent how different we really are. There's all kinds of different backgrounds. I thought this week we have just a couple people from the Philippines, right? Just a couple. You know, I know there's folks from the Caribbean, St. Vincent's, different places that way. We have folks from Romania, Italy, Greece, uh, our background at least, uh, Nepal, Portuguese, Ukrainian, Scottish, Indian, Sri Lankan, Haitian, American. And in there's just the good old Canadian boys. You know, there's all kinds of people here. And we don't have a lot of commonalities, do we? Now, I, I spent a lot of time with uh, my good buddy Ramo, all right? He's Italian background, if you don't know Ramo. I mean, it sounds totally newfie, doesn't it? Uh, but uh, at any rate, I spent lots of time with Ramo, and he tells me about his Italian background, and I have a good chuckle. And as we talk, 
I don't have too much in common with how Ramo was brought up in his culture. Now, I love some of his food. I definitely do. But outside of that, we're really different. And like I said, the colors and the banner and things just represent the different places. But I'm thrilled to tell you this morning that in Jesus Christ, our physical birthplace, our culture, our language has no bearing on the unity that can be in the church. No bearing. Because the source of biblical unity is Jesus and Him alone. That's where the source is. And we can look to Him. And it doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you're doing right now. Jesus loves you. And He desires for you to be one of His children. He desires for you to come to Him. And His gift of salvation is for all. I'm sure there's some places on the map that we don't have people in our church from. But if someone from one of those places came, I would be glad to show them the gospel of Jesus Christ and the gift of salvation is for them. It's for all. It's for everybody. And that's exciting news. That's a life-changing message that we need to propagate, that we need to tell. The reasons that Jesus is the source of unity is because He's our Savior. To look to any person, to any organization, or any church for unity is not biblical and you won't find it. Oh, you might find that people are okay with each other, but I'm talking about biblical unity. Where we're going forward with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Where we're doing what the Lord wants for us. We need to get our eyes fixed on the Lord and follow what He has for us. Follow Him. Our focus must be on Him and Him alone if we're going to experience the unity that He can provide. And you know what? Jesus wants to be, wants there to be unity in our church. He wants there to be unity in the fellowship. He does not desire to look down from heaven and see chaos. He wants to see us going forward like a mighty army serving Him. Jesus is the source of our unity. So what unity is not? Jesus is the source of it, but what is not? Some people, when they hear the word unity, the ears perk right up and they're very suspicious. What? Unity? What? And the reason they, I think that suspicion comes up is because the connotation they've heard it used in before is it's wrong. Maybe they've been in churches where, and it's sad, but a lot of churches are preaching this today, unity at any cost. And we'll, we'll unite with everybody. Now that's wrong. There's no doubt that's wrong. Unity is not a bad word though. And neither should we think that it's not attainable. It can be attainable through Jesus Christ. I don't, I don't want you, I want you to know that the unity of the fellowship certainly does have boundaries though. Hey, the biggest thing I thought about this week as I was studying for this message, I mean, I'll be honest folks, I've been studying this message for months already. It's been on my heart. The true biblical unity cannot take place if there's compromising doctrine. Compromising doctrine leads to sin, right? You just can't have it. It won't work. It won't work in the eyes of the Lord. Listen, folks, Jesus Christ died on the cross and He rose again the third day. Romans 14, 9. For to this end, Christ both died and rose and revived that we, He might be Lord both of the dead and the living. He lives today. Who's gone up into heaven, who's on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto Him. You realize today there's churches who preach against that today? 
who don't agree with that, who will not say that that is what Jesus did. He is the Son of God. He was born a virgin. We just celebrated that at Christmas time. There's churches out there that say he was not. I'm so glad to tell you that the Word of God does not change or fade away. 1 Peter 1.25, the Word of God endureth forever. And this is the Word which by the Gospels preached unto you. If the Word of God says it's wrong, it's still wrong. The culture might change all around us. But the Word of God says it, it does not change. So we can't embrace false doctrine. We can't embrace compromising doctrine. We can't embrace sin if we want to have the unity of the fellowship. We can't. Unity is not turning a blind eye to the false teacher. No, the unity of Jesus is to declare the truth. Declare the truth. And I'm thankful for our past but uh, in our history with Pastor Teeson, I spent uh, two plus years working with him uh, as his assistant. I knew him long before that. But I guarantee you from the experience I've seen here in this church and the experience I had with him before being here, he loved to preach the truth, but he did it with love. I saw it. I saw him deal with people who were going through difficult times and I saw him do it with great love and compassion. And that's exactly the way I want to see continue. It should not stop because it's biblical. Look over Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 15. You need to look at this because it's a pattern that we need to follow. It's just not because that's what Pastor Tyson did. No, it's because that's what the Bible tells us to do. And if we're going to have the unity of fellowship, we need to follow what Jesus tells us. You're not going to have it without it. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 15. But speaking the truth and love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Speaking the truth and love. You know, sometimes when we do things that aren't right, aren't you glad when someone comes along and says, Hey, no, this this is the way you need to do it. That's not the best way. And they do it with a loving spirit. Do you like that better than, Hey, you did it wrong. I don't even ask you to raise your hand. I know which way you prefer. You like that gentle spirit to say, hey, this is the way you need to do it. This is what you need to change. We take that a whole lot better, don't we? Than someone getting in our face and pointing their finger at us that you did it wrong. I know I do. I appreciate that loving spirit. That love means affection and charity and dear. I can tell when someone comes to me and they care about me and they tell me that this is a problem. I can tell by the way they come to me. Or those who come and they're like, you get it wrong. Hey, we're going to speak the truth and in love and we're going to stand for what is right. Unity is not compromising doctrine and embracing sin. The unity of fellowship never involves that. So Jesus is the source of our unity. What unity is not? What hinders unity? Why doesn't Unity exists in every gospel preaching church. Great question. That's because there's an enemy who desires all churches to be ineffective. There's an enemy out there who wants to see all churches close its doors. Satan desires our, our stand, uh, or desires to stand in the way of our unity. He, he does not like you. 
First Thessalonians 2.18 says, but Satan hindereth us. That's totally opposite than unity. Unity's going forward, hindereth, he's stopping, he's trying to create disunity. He wants to devour us, that roaring lion seeking whom he may devour in 1 Peter 5.8. Do you understand that Satan hates you? He hates you. I'm going to say it one more time. He hates you. He does not care about you. He has no love for you. He desires your destruction. That's what he desires. Hates you and he hates that you would love the Lord. He'd hate that you serve the Lord. You better believe that he's on the move against any churches that would show unity of the fellowship. He's always looking to tear down and devour. We need to watch out for the enemy. No, individual assemblies, uh, Christians here at church, guess what? We are sinners saved by grace, amen? But we, we can easily fall into sin, can't we? And if we're not careful, we can play the part of the enemy because we have the wrong spirit. I remember my aunt, she loves the Lord. And I understand what she was saying when she said this, uh, but one of her brothers, aren't siblings all the same? doesn't matter how old you get, right, siblings? You still bug each other. But at any rate, my aunt was, we were sitting together, family gathering. She goes, I can't find the perfect church. And one of the brothers, she's the only daughter, only sister in the whole group of three other brothers, so she had a hard time growing up. One of the brothers replied, she said, you won't. And she was kind of startled. I remember I, I, I was sitting right there when this happened. I, I'll never forget it. And she kind of, what do you mean? And the brother said, because yours there. <laughs> We're all sinners saved by grace if we know Christ is our Savior. The point was he's trying to say, hey, if we show up, it ain't going to be perfect anymore. Because we ain't perfect. And we need to, we need to check our hearts. You understand our hearts are wicked, desperately wicked, and who can know it? We need to be continually checking in with the Lord and saying, Lord, help me. Hey, do you still battle with the flesh and emotions? I do. I gotta watch it. I gotta check my heart with the Lord and making sure I'm on the right fellowship. I'm on the right path. Some of the greatest hindrances of the unity of fellowship is having ill feelings to another person. It's really hard to be united when you can't stand the person sitting next to you. That's impossible, actually. Even if you get up and you move across the pew or on the back of the pew or back of the church, it doesn't matter. You can't have that feeling and have unity. we got to love each other. We have to love each other. And not because Pastor Alcock said so. The Bible says so. The Bible says so. I've seen some nasty things done. I've heard some nasty, uh, heard some nasty things said. Lies. You know, lying is not from the Lord, is it? Who's the father of lies? The devil, Satan. He's the father of lies. That should never be part of the DNA of a Christian. Should never be. We should avoid such behavior. Sadly, lying and hatred work hand in hand so often. I guess you could call them evil cousins. 
Because they work together. And hatred should never be found in the church. Hatred is opposite of unity. Hate, hatred stirreth up strife. Proverbs 10, 12. It stirreth it up. I've got a cousin who likes to stir the pot when we get together. You know, he, he likes to poke and prod. And sometimes it's just purely for fun. I know him, but in the past he's done it just to be bad. You know, and I can almost see him when he starts to say something and you can almost see the stir in the pot. And if you don't know him, you get yourself in a big lot of trouble real quick. Hey, that should never be part of the church family. That should never be part of who we are. And in Lord willing, in the weeks ahead, we'll examine the, the effects of hatred and different things. Uh, but hatred is not the work of the Lord in our lives. That's the work of the enemy. Another great hindrance that I've seen is jealousy. I could tell you numerous friends of mine who were in church and serving the Lord who got jealous and slipped away and caused problems as they went. Folks, the work of Jesus Christ, the ministry of our church, is greater than any one person in our church. It does not matter if you hear... Good job. Why are you serving? If you're serving for this, you got us. I serve because I want to serve Jesus Christ. I want to be a servant, a soldier of His that is faithful. You know, I understand that a, a clap and a pat in the back is encouraging. I understand that. But I don't, I hope, i got to check my heart all the time and make sure that's not the reason why I serve. And so should you. So should you check your heart. Guess what? We're all in this thing together. We're all in together. That's the unity. It's the unit. Oneness. Togetherness. We're working together. I mean, I could mention other things that could hinder and affect our fellowship. But the reality is, any sin will be a hindrance to the fellowship. Any sin. And we understand we sin. If you get it right, that's great. But the idea of a lingering sin, sin that we won't take care of. So Jesus is the source of our unity. What unity is not. What hinders unity. Some great news. What helps unity? What helps unity? So we examine what hinders. What helps? Back to 1 John. 1 John chapter number 1, verse number 7. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light... We have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. 1 John 1.7 tells us to be walking in the light. Which means to be walking in truth and righteousness. We are to be encouraging each other, other believers, as we walk through this life, as we do the journey of the Christian life. I can remember so many times sitting in my office where I lived on Riverbank Road in Deer Lake, Newfoundland, and I get a phone call from a man named Dr. Hiltz. And he'd phone me up and he'd ask me how things were going. And he would always say this in the conversation on the phone. I'm here to be a help any way I can, Brother Alcock. I'm here to be a help. I'm here to be a help. He was promoting the unity of fellowship everywhere he went. Without a doubt, the love of the Savior helps the unity of the fellowship. Amen? Without a doubt. Go over to John chapter number 14. 
John chapter number 14. I'm going to read a couple of verses here. John chapter 14. I'm going to start in verse number 15. Then we'll go to 21, 23. If you love me, keep my commandments. 21. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. In verse number 23. And Jesus answered and said to them, If any man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. If we love the Lord as we should, then we obey him. Right? It's going to help unity if we obey the Father, obey the Savior. And we love the Lord as we should. He reveals himself to us in a greater way, and he shows us his will in a more focused nature. I've noticed that those who love the Lord demonstrate great compassion to the lost and to brothers and sisters of the Lord. Those who love the Lord. It doesn't take long to figure out those who love the Lord and those who don't. You know, it's often about how you talk and what you talk about and how you live. It's easy to figure it out. I believe forgiveness is a major component of unity as well. Love and forgiveness. Ephesians 5.32 says, And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. You know, the word forgive, forgiving, forgiveness is found close to 70 times in the Scriptures. That's a lot of times. And it means pardon, spare, lay aside, leave, put away, free fully. That's a great definition, isn't it? Aren't you glad Jesus did that for you? When you come to Him and ask for forgiveness, that's what He does. Gone. Fully freed. He's not holding on to anything. Since the fellowship is made of sinners saved by grace, forgiveness needs to be part of our DNA. We need to be forgiving. We need to be seeking it and we need to be given it. Whatever part or parcel you're on, you need to do it. Our Lord, our Savior is the source of our unity. He forgave our sins. So should we be forgiving others. When they hurt us, now don't think for a moment that if not many, if not all of you have been really hurt by somebody. And don't think for a moment that I've escaped that harsh reality either. But don't think for a moment that the Lord wasn't hurt really bad either. Let me read you a verse, Luke 23, 34. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Do you know where Jesus was when he said that? On the cross. He was on the cross for something he did not do. And he says, and with his dying breath, forgive them. You know what my, my nature, my sin nature would say? Destroy them. That's my sin nature, your sin nature. Jesus on the cross says, forgive them for they know not what they do. When I read that verse, I am convicted. And I come to the fact that I have to forgive. 
I don't have an option. I have to forgive. If I don't, then I'm in sin. I'm in sin. And I know it's not always easy when someone's really hurt you, when someone said something mean about you, when someone's tore you down, when someone's on this, 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 this. It's hard. But we can look to Jesus, who's our greatest example, who's the author and finisher of our faith, and take strength in the realization that it's right to forgive. Have you noticed in life that a lot of right things aren't easy to do? We need to do it because it's biblical. My Savior, our Savior, is the greatest example of forgiveness. Another thing that I found is really good with unity is communication. Who doesn't like to be communicated with? Unless you're sleeping. Then you're really not interested in communication. But it's very helpful for unity, is it not? It's very helpful. Sometimes communication... It's not fun to do because you're bringing maybe some not-so-great news. But you still need to communicate that, right? And sometimes communication is so much fun. Woohoo! I get to tell you something wonderful. Communication involves both parts. And we need to be communicating. And I just want to let you know that as becoming pastor, I do not instantly become aware of all the situations in your life. Do not assume that I know anything. I can't be a help to you if I, if I don't know you have a problem. I, I don't get hardwired into some sort of supercomputer. Wow, I know everybody's situation now. I'm not telling you to all come Sunday after service here and not come tell me all your situations either. But just don't assume that I know. You know, I have been in the ministry almost 20 years now and people have come to me and said, I can't believe you didn't come talk to me. I'm like, what was I supposed to talk to you about? I mean, help me out. I mean, I want to be a help. I want to help you, but I can't help you if I don't know what I'm supposed to help with. Hey, if you if you got a problem, you can come talk to me. I'll listen. I might not necessarily agree with what you're going to say, but I'll listen. Don't you find in Scripture that Jesus listened? He did. But after He was finished listening, He corrected what needed to be corrected, and He showed love in doing it. That's what I'm going to try to do. I'm human, I'm going to fail, but that's my plan. And listen, tell me your victories. Tell me your blessings. I want to rejoice. I want to praise His name. He's done something great in your life. I want to hear about it. i got no problems when you send me a text saying, Pastor, this happened today, I'm so excited. Woohoo! Now, if I hear woohoo on my text, there's a problem, but... You know. The reality is, we need to share. This is all part of the unity of the fellowship. And you know what I found out? Is that when we find out about, let's just say, for example, someone's having a, has a problem, a need, physical need, and we find out about it, and I let people know about it, we serve them. We help them. That's a good thing about communication, isn't it? Sometimes you can't solve the whole problem. Sometimes we can't solve the problem at all. But it sure is a blessing that person to know that we care, we love, and we're praying for them if we can't solve the problem. It was that's part of unity of fellowship. Jesus is the source of unity. What hinders it, what helps it, or uh, unity is not, hinders what hinders it, what helps it. 
And then lastly, the benefit, the benefits of unity. So if we're united for the cause of the gospel, all of us, what's 160 people here this morning? If all 160 of us get behind the cause of Jesus Christ and we're serving together in unity, the unity of fellowship is important, we're loving Jesus, we're doing what He tells us to do, do you think we accomplished a whole lot more this year than we did last year? The answer is yes. A very large yes. Even more. If we're united more, brethren, we'll be more interested in laboring the cause of Christ. And, uh, brothers and sisters will be interested in helping the care home and helping with the teenagers and helping with those who might be sick and infirmed at home and visiting the seniors and getting involved with the music program and helping in the outreach. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what happens when we get behind the cause of Jesus Christ. We'll use what we have for His glory. We're united as church family. We'll reach more lost people. I believe that with all my heart. We'll reach more. If we are united behind the cause of Jesus Christ, we'll tell more people about what Jesus can do and what He's done. You know, there's lives hanging in the balance today. Today. They need to know about Jesus. And you could be the one. And they take that track or they hear that witness. They hear that testimony. Maybe they've been watching you for a while. That's always a little creepy when someone says, I've been watching you. Okay. (laughs) When? (laughs) But when they say that, but they're watching to see what's different. We need to be different. You know, there's families on the verge of breakup today and Jesus is the answer for them. And we have the answer. We need to be telling people. And if we're united behind the cause of Jesus Christ, we'll tell people. I firmly believe a church that's united for Jesus Christ, united in the fellowship, is a growing church. It's a growing church. I believe with growth of new people coming, it always thrills my heart to see visitors in our church. Thrills my heart. If you're here today as a visitor of our church, I am so glad you're here. You're made my day that you would choose to spend it with us. I'm so thankful. I'm so glad that our church family, I've had many folks come and tell me who visit that our church family is friendly. Praise the Lord. Keep it up. Don't stop. Don't rest in your laurels like, yeah, we were good last year. No, do better this year. All right. But thank the Lord that we're a friendly church and keep it up. Introduce yourself. Make yourself known and encourage people. I know a church that's united will grow spiritually. That's so important. I'm praying that young and old will surrender to what the Lord's calling them to do. I'm I'm praying today that God will raise up men in our church to be preachers, to be pastors. I could tell you about 10 or 15 churches this morning that are looking for a pastor today. I think of a church out in Nova Scotia. In a town of about 25,000, 30,000 people, they got their own church building, all debt-free, about 70, 80 people. And they're looking for a pastor. They've been looking for two years. Hey, the need is huge. You know what I believe? I believe God's still calling just as many people as He did 50 years ago, but just there's not many people listening anymore. And they're not surrendering to that call. They're not, they're not going. They're like, no, I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to, I want to, I want to do this. No! Surrender to Him!
When I got saved when I was 19 years old, I never thought I'd be standing before a church like this when I was 41. It's of the Lord. It's not me. It's the Lord. Surrender what He has for you. I'm praying that the Lord will raise up some missionaries from our church. I'm so glad that we sent out the camps to the Netherlands. We're sending out Pastor Thiessen to help and his wife to help with missionaries. I want to send so many more. Isn't there a lot of places in that map where there's no missionaries? Oh, yeah. There's all kinds of places that need it. The fields are wet in the harvest. And those are all wonderful benefits, aren't they? They're all wonderful. But the greatest benefit, the most wonderful benefit, the one that blows away all the other benefits, is that we glorify the Lord when we are united. When we are united, the Lord is glorified. And doesn't He deserve the praise? Doesn't He deserve the glory? Oh, He absolutely does. And we should be like 1 Corinthians 10.13, Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. That should be our desire. And I know that if we are in the unity of fellowship, if we're following Jesus, we're glorifying Him. That should be your desire. That should be your purpose. Our purpose to follow Him and glorify Him. Miss Sager National Baptist Church, my heart's desire is for our church to grow. To reach more people, more families with the Gospel of Jesus Christ than we ever did before. And I believe that if there is unity in the fellowship, then we are a step closer to see more folks get saved. We're following God's plan. We're going to be different. We're going to be unique. We're going to be glorifying the Lord. I know our Savior will be glorified if we, if we will follow Him. The question is, will you be in the unity of the fellowship? Will you? 